people, I think, don't even know what a rootkit is, so why should they care about it? Hello and welcome to Chaos Radio International. This is the English language podcast of the Chaos Computer Club. And it's the third interview with somebody from the 22nd Chaos Communication Congress that's going on in Berlin at the end of 2005. This time we're talking to Eric Blossom, who also gave a talk today. And my name is Tim Pritlar. now is uh, Eric Blossom. Hello Eric. Hi Tim. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I'd like to uh, introduce you a bit uh, first. Uh, we're also going to talk about your, your talk later. Um, you are from the US. You yes, live in, uh, in, in wonderful Reno, which is, uh, I, well I, I haven't been there, but I heard two great things from it. There's good weather. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's close to the place where the Burning Man festival is taking place. Absolutely. So does this mean you are there every time? I've been there the last couple of years. Last couple of years. So so what is it like? Can you tell us anything interesting oh, yeah, about yeah, Burning yeah, yeah, Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it takes place on a a huge dry lake bed. So this this lake bed, you know, there's water in the winter time, and then in the summer it completely dries out, and it's enormous and it's flat, and it's covered with this kind of dust and there's nothing out there nothing grows there are no insects and then 30,000 people decide to get together for 10 days 30,000 people <coughs> uh -huh. and 10 days yeah always the well, it varies I mean the you know it's people come at different times generally people try to come for the whole the whole experience you know you have to bring everything you bring your own water got to figure out how you're going to handle any wastewater, you know, mm -hmm. all your food. Don't bring any extra packaging for anything. And sometimes it gets really windy and really dusty, total whiteout. Okay. And then um, I think the thing that always amazes me about it is the scale of people's, they set up theme camps. So different groups of people come together and they'll have a theme. And, and it may be that their theme is, well, we're setting up a whole nightclub. Or other people have may have these incredible art projects set out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. One of the ones that uh, that struck me this past year was there was, in the middle of the night, you just kind of come across this ladder, this 100-foot-tall ladder that just goes straight up, and it has guy wires off of it. So it really looks like whoever put this ladder up knows what they're doing, and it's just there in the middle of the desert. And there's no signs that say, do not climb. <laughs> 
this is a place where you could hurt yourself <laughs> <laughs> really bad <laughs> i guess some people actually do <laughs> uh-huh did you climb i didn't okay no. <laughs> <laughs> but somebody did <laughs> sure <laughs> so what's happening then so everybody is just out there for 10 days and has a lot of fun has a great yeah great time i mean it, it goes you know 24 hours a day for the whole time i mean the, the basic burning man philosophy is you know bring earplugs not everybody wants to sleep when you do okay so there's music going all the time all kinds of different places the people that have really large music installations are kind of out on the edges so it could be you know semi semi quiet whatever that means in the middle and is anybody organizing this There is a group that organizes it, that kind of handles the basic infrastructure, which is like they lay, there's a whole crew of people that lay out roads. So basically they say, okay, here's the roads. It's set up as a big horseshoe. In the dust. In the dust, in the, on the playa, as they call it. <laughs> playa dust. Everyone ends up like this total gray, you're coated with gray by the end of the thing. I mean, trying to stay clean is like, forget it. Not happening. <laughs> And in the end, everything gets burned. Well, yeah, people pack everything out or some of the, you know, some of the art gets burned. Not all of it depends on who, who built it, but they build a lot of stuff and they burn a lot of stuff. But what, what does the, the title actually relate to? Well, there's um, originally there was this big wooden man, which they build every year, the man. And uh, he's in the center of, uh, center of this big thing that it's all built around. And he's different every year. And he, they erect him at the beginning of the at the beginning of the You know, like the day before it officially starts and he's all lit up with neon and fluorescent tubes and you know bright lights and usually there's something going on he's like on a big pedestal usually there's something you can do underneath him things to see circus attraction or, or whatever mm -hmm. and then he's there all week long and then they burn him okay they, but, but the man is always burning at the end right? at the That's end for he, sure. he is stuffed <clears throat> full of fireworks and stuff yeah he's burning mm-hmm It's very hot, let me tell you. When they burn him, it's a lot of wood burning. <laughs> And when, when does it take place, the burning man, usually? Um, uh, it's end of August. Okay. So it's Labor Day weekend. So it's yeah. hot anyway. Oh, it's hot. Yeah, this is... So this it is, just gets hotter when it's This burned. is... <laughs> okay. <laughs> And uh, like the other thing is you realize that, oh, you, a bicycle is mandatory. I mean, it's... It's a long way out there to any place. You want to go visit some friends, like get on your bicycle and go cruising. Burning Man. Okay, Eric, um, from Burning Man, let's uh, get back to you a bit. Um, what, what, uh, what I find interesting, how, di how did you come to, well, you, you, are, you are working with technology, I think, for a, quite a long time. So how did you find your way towards technology? What was mm. your initial inspiration? Mm -hmm. Well, I think as a, as a child, I was always one of those people who was taking things apart. Not necessarily putting them back together, but definitely, you know, taking things apart. Uh, 
and um, like what kind of things? Oh, I mean, starting as a little kid, like doorknobs, you know, disassemble. How does a door go together? And then, um, then it was into um, you know motorized vehicles of all kinds. So kind of motorcycles entered the entered the game at some point, and so there's a whole thing about you know preparing bikes for racing and how do you do that and you know what are the things that matter and you know this <laughs> thing really matters here this is like a better shock setup than the other guys have got mm-hmm. and then well um you were stuck to technology then yeah that's kind of all related then i and then i um i was kind of always interested in any kind of you know science kind of kind of thing and, and the then, computer well the computer is i was at the university and uh I was started out studying um, mechanical engineering for lack of any better idea. I mean, had something to do with motorcycles, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, <laughs> I realized there was a lot about superheated steam, which I didn't really care much about. And um, it was uh, in the mid '70s, and uh, the university had just gotten this. In, they were getting this new computer, and a friend of mine who was studying computer science clued me in that there was this this PDP-11 with the with the GT43 graphics display that nobody knew about. And if you ask these people, they would give you a key to this room. And it was basically a really, it was like the top-end graphics computing hardware for its day. Which, which year are we in now? This would be uh, 76. Okay. So they, it, so basically it was it, it was a vector drawing machine, and you, you know, programmed it in Fortran, and you built a little display list, and... What was cool about it is you had real-time feedback. So you had the joysticks and you could, you know, like flight simulator kind of thing. And, you know, the idea of actually having, like, hidden surfaces where things are removed, that was like, oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's where I kind of I got started on it. Uh-huh. I was like, huh. So then I, I, I guess you also developed a special relationship to the computer itself. I mean, so you, you did programming mm-hmm. and started to get into things. I mean, currently you are uh, probably best known for your activities in the GNU radio project. Uh, as far as I know, you're the founder and basically overall architect uh, of the project. <coughs> Can you explain us what, what GNU radio is about? Yeah, sure. So fundamentally, um, socially, the important thing about it is it's a free software project so that Uh, people contribute their code and their, the effort, and it builds a community resource. And But what the, the project itself is about is building a toolkit that allows you to construct pretty much arbitrary real-time signal processing systems. Now, the, generally, we use those to build wireless communication systems. So that's kind, you know, it's, it's one kind of a signal processing system you could build. Other people have done crazy stuff with it, like control atomic force microscopes and stuff. But... Mm-hmm. We started out saying, well, why don't we try wireless communications? <coughs> Real-time signal processing system sounds very complicated, but might be something like a radio, for instance. For example, a radio. But, but the radio in the project name doesn't primarily relate to radio, or was well, this the mean, first means, idea in a well, way? Well, it means radio in the most general sense, not radio. I mean, it does. It includes things like your regular AM or FM radio, uh, mm-hmm. but it goes beyond that into you could have any kind of digital communication system that you wanted to build I mean it wouldn't we, when we speak of radio we also mean things like television so you could do analog or digital TV or cell phone communications and so but the but the project is about producing software so uh, the If I download all the software that is available on the GNU radio site, I have everything to make my computer behave like a radio station. 
Well, yes, and and you're going to need some hardware. We haven't figured out how to get all the hardware out of the software radio. So okay, <laughs> yeah, but what kind of extra hardware do I really need? Um, depends on what you want to do. There's a couple pieces of hardware that we recommend that, that we designed, again, as an open source project because we didn't find anything else that solved the problem. And um, it gives you the pieces you need to be able to get basically radio waves into the computer and then turn around and send them back out. So you can receive them, digitize them, get them into the computer where you can work on them with software. I mean, the, the whole idea is if you look at most radios, they're, they're built for a single purpose. I mean, you look at your portable transistor radio, it, it only does maybe two things, AM and FM. If you wanted to make it do something else, you have to get a soldering iron out. So with software radio, we do as much of it as we can in software, which means that, for example, if you want to change its behavior, you just have to edit the code and you know type make, and all of a sudden it's behaving differently. So um, part of the fun is to make this whole radio stuff, wireless communications available to people that were in the sort of traditional software or hacker mentality versus necessarily guys that liked soldering irons in their hands. So... I think the, the this this whole project is really one of one of these open source projects that have probably the largest scope in a way as it doesn't really um, say take this and you can just build this thing like this is a web server or this is just this tool that just does one thing. It's just more of an operating system for interfacing the, the outside world. Uh, that's one way to look at it. In fact, we've been accused of not having built enough finished applications for people. Oh, so, who's uh, accusing you of oh, that? Various people. <laughs> <laughs> it says, great job on the infrastructure. How about giving people something they can just download and does something useful for them? So a piece of that is a question of, well, what do people want to build? So we think we should at least build like the super kind of FM radio TiVo kind of a thing. Because, mm -hmm. for example, we technically can record many, many FM stations at the same time. Then you can, and we can, you know, hand them off to somebody else to, you know, compress them into MP3s or AUGs or whatever, and then, you know, grab playlists off of the radio stations and put it all together. And mm -hmm. and you could also, well, then if you if you can receive multiple radio stations at the same time, it's basically a general purpose surveillance system for all kinds uh, of things flowing through the air, right? Well, it'll do that too, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, what, what, what can be achieved with the, with the currently available processing powers, let's say, from, of general PCs? I mean, can, oh, can yeah, I decode yeah. GSM traffic with it? Is it fast enough to do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, yeah, it, there's, that's not computationally out of the question. Okay, so it's just like doable and, and right. Okay. And, we've, and there's most of the fundamentals are done and in the code base. 
and I. Yeah. So where's the current limit? I mean, what's so well? What's the current next step? Or is already everything is done? <laughs> well, um, you know, for with free software, how it works is somebody's got to want to do it. So there's just a question of okay, who wants to make you know a GSM receiver or something? Mm -hmm. Being a free software project, um, well, most most software projects usually lack lack funding. From what I understand, the GNU Radio project is quite quite well funded, uh, well supported. Who's who's behind behind the project uh, currently? Well, um, kind of how it worked originally was um, I met with a colleague of mine who. Um, Was it, we had common goals. Um, he and I had known each other for a long time from the, doing some work in cryptography and um, was interested in my ideas that I had around doing software radio. So he agreed to basically contribute some money to support it in the beginning and, and actually still took this time. And then over the years, other money has come in. So some of it's through the uh, National Science Foundation in the U.S., which funds academic research. So... We try to provide this this infrastructure for uh, you know university professors doing their research and their students. Mm -hmm. And then lately, there's other uh, you know people coming in from different angles that say, "Hey, I want to use your project to do so and so." And well, so we it's also recognized being an educational tool in a way. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a kind of a way if you if you think back to you want to take things apart and see how they work. Here's a you know here's a tool that allows you to see the insides of communication systems. So it's a simulator as well. Well, yeah, and in fact, since we simulate in real time, it doesn't make any doesn't to us simulation and and not simulation are really the same thing. It's a question of are you putting the samples to a disk or are you sending them out into the air? Yeah, is the antenna connected or isn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I see it. Um, so at the Chaos Communication Congress today, you gave a talk that is also kind of related in uh, in its way. It wasn't really about GNU Radio. Um, uh, the title was I Can See Airplanes and it was generally about making use of passive radar systems. Can you uh, explain a bit the probably not the, the mathematical side, but <laughs> the general approach of what 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 should, should I what picture should I have in mind when I'm talking about passive radar? Okay, well, the idea with radar is that there's a transmitter somewhere, and it's sending out radio waves, and they bounce off of objects. And so the idea with passive radar is we take advantage of somebody else's transmitter. So, for example, an existing FM broadcast transmitter or a television transmitter, for example. And they're already sending out very strong signals. Now, besides getting straight to you, they're bouncing off of all the stuff in, around you. So the trick is to figure out, is to listen both to the stuff coming straight from the transmitter and then to somehow listen to the echoes and figure out like how much delay they are and all this stuff. So the transmitter we're talking about is something like an ordinary TV Like a transmitter, TV, exactly. Or radio transmitter. Yeah, so, so something that's everywhere, but also GSM. You could stations. use those. Yeah, I, there are people who say they're using that. That doesn't seem like such as. Does it make a difference if they are basically having analog transmission or digital transmission? It, it, it matters a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what frequency they're operating in, which band they're operating in. The digital stuff generally is more useful to us, but the FM regular FM broadcast works pretty well. Mm-hmm. So and and what what could I do to see the airplanes? <laughs> well, what, what, when it's all sorted out, how it should work is for a relatively small amount of money, where this is on the order of say a thousand dollars, you should be able to have everything it takes to hook it to a laptop computer, 
And if you're willing to do a little work, like put up a few antennas in your someplace where you can get at it, then uh, what ought to happen is you should be able to see updates of what's flying around. And the order of like once every 10 seconds, we show you this is where we see things moving and this is what direction they're going. And well, when I think about it, I, I, I would, would consider this to be quite a complicated setup as there is, uh, there's a lot of flying around, not only airplanes, but especially other, other frequencies that are distorting each other and so on. So what's the trick to, to get this organized? Well, I mean, you, you filter out all the stuff you're not interested in, which is part of the trick to making it work. And then, uh, then the question is, okay, let's say all I'm hearing is the direct path and I'm hearing all these reflections. And then kind of how, how do you figure out where the thing is? I mean, in, uh, if, if people think back to when analog TV were around and they had sort of uh, not very fancy analog televisions, if an airplane would fly by, you'd see your TV picture would wiggle, and then it would get better. Well, that wiggling was caused because the radio waves were bouncing off of the, off of the airplane. So that what we take advantage of is, ah, we can actually see those wiggles. And then we can do things like measure how late the wiggle came compared to the direct path. Mm -hmm. So you start to be able to work out how far things are away. So just having the, the hardware software set up alone is not enough. It, it also takes some process of calibrating and actually looking at the signals that are coming in? Well, that, that part should take care of itself. I mean, it, uh, it ought to just work. And, um, well, and uh, so the software is readily available. Is it just the standard GNU radio stuff that well, I'm it's, taking? It's or a, it's a yeah, it's, it's, so it's, it's not all sorted out and working. This is not like, I mean, you're welcome to download the code and, and help us. But we're, you know, we're getting there. So mm -hmm. we've got a good simulation of the whole system working right now, at least the first part of it, where um, we actually can simulate airplanes flying around in FM transmitters and signals bouncing off of them, and we get to figure out how far away they are from us and what the Doppler shift is and the frequency, and that tells us how, how quickly they are either approaching or leaving our direction. So you need some place to set it up, and... Um, And then, you know, run the code. And then you fly. Then you fly. <laughs> And you can see the airplanes. Italian cakes are so so great <coughs> I can't get enough of it so 
Today you had you had your talk, so you have been extensively uh, reporting on these passive radar things, mathematical backgrounds. I've seen it all. Uh, to me, it was quite quite complicated. I'm not really into into the topic, but I would um, I would like to know how well, what what kind of responses uh, you got at at the congress. Because I'm quite sure that people were like getting back to you oh, after yeah. the talk. Absolutely. Some people offer up suggestions on, you know, I think I could help you solve this problem by, you know, trying a particular technique, which is always fun. Other people come up and they have, that's really great. Couldn't we use a similar thing to do such and such? Those kind of, that kind of feedback. Um, other people are saying, well, we've been looking at GNU Radio for another thing. This is really cool. Let's get together and talk about, I want to build this other thing with it. So. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's a mix of people with, with good ideas, but also coders, programmers, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of, uh, did, was it all, all only Germans talking to you? Or did you know, no, did you know who you were talking to? Um, people kind of from all over. It's, it's a good mix, isn't it? Yeah, it I, is, I think yeah. that quite a, f a few people have uh, arrived this, this year at the, at the Congress. So... This is, well, it's not, not the first time you're here. Uh, you've been here yeah, three years ago, yeah, three four years, years ago. ago. Three or four years ago, yeah. So what is your, <coughs> how do you reflect the, the, the Congress? What, what is this event to you? How, what do you uh, think about it? Well, I, I enjoy it. I wouldn't be here otherwise. And uh, the thing I, I love about it is just getting to visit and uh, meet interesting people. People who have sort of a... Um, I'd say that there, it, although there's many different opinions, there seems to be an underlying concern about technology, social impact of it. You know, where are we headed with this? Is it we do, are we doing social good or not? And I like that part. Okay, you've also been uh, in, in the summer. We met at the What the Heck mm -hmm. Open Era mm -hmm. Festival, which was uh, definitely the, uh, a different story. Um, Have you uh, you haven't been to our our camps? Have I was you? at your camp, yeah. Last ah, camp. you were as yeah. well. Okay, yeah. oh, you've seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> you've seen it all. Chaos operation. <laughs> okay, that uh, I mean that's good. And um, well, if you so you, you you've seen quite a few of these European events and, and, and hacker festivals. If you compare this to uh, similar events in the US, is there any obvious differences that you could point um. out? Well, I probably I haven't ever attended. I guess what people would think of as the main U.S. one, which would be DefCon. Uh, I've gone to uh, several of the ones in New York City. Um, it's a, a culturally, it's different. Um, I'd say that that seems like the. I mean, there, there's sort of the sort of old school hacker, which is the kind of interested in things, uh, want to know how things are working, we're not really going to go out of our way to do any damage, we want to know how, how it works and, and all that, what kind of, how can we explore? And I think that the, in the U.S. side, people have, have either a combination of how people are representing themselves and, and media hysteria have pretty much turned the hacker thing into like hacker equals evil. And I don't, I don't have that experience when I'm here. So there's a, there's a piece of it that's different that way. Um, so what's your... What's your view on, on the term hacker? What, what comes to your mind when you're thinking about the term hacker? Well, um, well, um, when I, okay, there's, there's what I think of it, and then there's what I use it in public. So, for example, in the U.S., I probably wouldn't 
you know, announce to the world that I was a hacker because it's too much to try to explain about how I'm not trying to figure out how to break into some banking system or something. Uh, but now, if you're speaking to people who actually understand, then it's, I'd say that the, the European view and the American view are, you know, are very similar. It's the, the same kind of, uh, you know, curiosity about how the world works. I mean, and hacking isn't just about computers. It's about everything. It's kind of, you know, how does it all work? It could be social systems. It could be chemistry. It could be, you know, botany. Uh, and, um, you know, I really think there's that whole thing about that the hackers bring this curiosity. I mean, I think fundamentally they bring curiosity to the world. And, you know, a lot of places, curiosity just kind of gets ground out. It either gets ground out of people or they're just, you know, it's not a winning situation for them. So I think that's, for me, part of what I love about the hacker culture is that people are curious. I mean, every time you're around people, they've got some new thing you've never heard about. It's like, oh, wow, cool. Let me show you this cool sound system we're using right now to, like, do the show. So I think we've sort of came to the to the end of this uh, lovely interview, Eric. Thank you very much for for joining me here for this little podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it was great, and uh, I hope we will see you again at the upcoming events of the CCC and probably other European events as well. I really have the feeling that more things are happening now in Europe. Uh, there's so many people coming here and telling us about things they really think that have to be done and, and, and projects that have to be done but also events that have to be mm. done and, and I really get the feeling that the European networking is somehow starting to take shape. So far everything was really separated by language and uh, other national issues of course but it's more or less coming to an end it's sort of a globalization I'm really really happy especially about the huge amount of people that came over from the US this mm -hmm. time I, mean, mm -hmm. I think you met quite a lot here don't you oh yeah so yeah that's a good trend and uh, we should uh, stick to that so thanks again and um, goodbye to everybody this was Cars Radio Express number 12 in English this time and uh, Uh, I hope it won't be the last. I have still more people on my list. We'll see how it works out. There's one more day to go at the 22nd Cars Communication Congress here in Berlin. I say goodbye to everybody. See you later. <laughs>